Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with Part 2 of the Study on the Spiritual Gifts, preached October the 30th, 2011. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 6. So we want to speak to you about spiritual gifts, Part 2. Concerning the lack of spiritual gifts, In his day, the godly Reformation theologian, John Calvin, said the following. Today we see our slender resources, our poverty in fact. But this is undoubtedly the punishment we deserve as the reward for our ingratitude. For God's riches are not exhausted, nor has his liberality grown less. But we are not worthy of his largesse or capable of receiving all that he generously gives. John Calvin is known as the theologian of the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not teach The spiritual gifts, charismata, have ceased. It does teach that the imperfect, that is the spiritual gifts, will cease when Jesus Christ comes again. When we see him face to face. I argued this in my dissertation at Westminster Seminary. And many theologians today agree with me. This was also Calvin's position. The Holy Spirit counsels us in the Bible to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. James tells us, you do not have because you do not ask God. When revival comes, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the spiritual gifts also are poured out. I personally witnessed such a manifestation of spiritual gifts when the Holy Spirit was poured out in revival more than 60 years ago in South India. A woman was singing in the worship service and spirit of prophecy came upon another person and revealed that she was living an immoral life. She confessed that she was in fact living a life of sin. I witnessed also demons being cast out, people speaking in foreign languages that they did not know. People being healed, sinners repenting, and being saved, and so on. When church refuses to believe the scriptures, when a Laodicean spirit prevails in the church that says, we have need of nothing. When people are rich only materially, When people are steeped in the theology of unbelief, 
when Christians refuse to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, it is no wonder there are no spiritual gifts. But God is sovereign and he pours out Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts as he sees fit in his time in revival. I believe there exists today no apostle or prophets whose word is infallible and universally authoritative. Ephesians 2 and verse 20 proves that. Yet I also believe the Lord of the church grants certain spiritual gifts to meet the many needs of his church. The manifestation of these spiritual gifts do not add anything to the revelation which has come to a close in the 66 books of the Holy Bible. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. God may raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out the demons, and give revelations to people that they may prophesy. When he does these things, it only proves that God is sovereign. And he does what he pleases. We read that in the psalm. When he does these things, it only proves that God is sovereign and he does what he pleases to meet the many needs of his people. The self-satisfied will never experience a spiritual gift. They trust in money. The church needs the spiritual gifts until her Lord comes again in glory. The church needs building up until Christ comes again. So 1 Corinthians 1.7 says, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. 1 Corinthians 13.10 But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. That is the coming of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 14.12 So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Ephesians 4.7 But to each one of us, grace has been given. As Christ apportioned it. Ephesians 4.16 From him the whole body joined and held together. By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. First Peter 4 and verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its multifaceted form. So Bible says we are not to neglect the spiritual gifts. We are to fan into flame 
the spiritual gift by constant use. First Timothy 4 verse 14. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message. Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6 For this reason I remain, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Spiritual gifts, friends, are necessary tools for ministry. It is good to pay attention to the wise counsel of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. One of the greatest dangers it always seems to me is to interpret the scriptures in the light of our experience instead of testing our experience by the teaching of scripture. So I say we must return to the principle of sola scriptura in this matter of spiritual gifts also. Dr. Martin Lord Jones cites historical evidence of John Welsh, son-in-law of the great John Knox, having raised a woman from the dead. He, along with Alexander Peden, prophesied events that later happened in Scotland. Spiritual gifts are discussed in the Bible at least in six different places. Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians 4, 11, 1 Peter 4, 11, and 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 7, which lists two spiritual gifts, marriage and celibacy. Marriage is a spiritual gift. And celibacy also is what? A spiritual gift. There are ordinary, that is non-miraculous, and extraordinary, that is miraculous spiritual gifts. All spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. Measured out to the church by the triune God. That the church be built up. As each believer faithfully exercises one's gifts for the common good. In the Bible, we do not find an exhaustive list of all spiritual gifts. For instance, we don't read about the skill for music. But it is a spiritual gift some people have. Others don't. No one is to bury his gift. But he must faithfully use it for the building up of the church. There's a temptation because you only have one talent. You want to bury it. Don't do it. So Paul says one must think soberly. Verse 3 of Romans 12. To know one's spiritual gifts. So the text tells us you are able to discover 
your spiritual gifts by spirit's help he must then exercise his gifts in humility in faith and in love for the glory of god and the benefit of the church paul was an apostle and he knew it and he used his apostolic gifts faithfully to benefit the whole church but no apostles exist today in the primary sense each believer has been given spiritual gifts that differ to meet the varied needs of the church a spiritual gift is a spirit given ability to minister for the building up of the church everyone has spiritual gifts not just pastors one person does not and cannot do all the work necessary for the building up of the church all persons together do all things and build up god's church so we consider seven gifts first is prophecy you don't find a clear definition of prophecy in the bible some people say it is preaching others say foretelling and so on prophecy is inspired delivery martin lloyd jones says prophecy is inspired delivery of warning exhortation instruction judging and making manifest the secrets of human heart a true prophecy never contradicts the scripture a true prophecy is always in agreement with the scriptures so we read if anyone prophesies let him prophesy in proportion of his faith this word faith could be seen both objectively and subjectively that is he must prophesy in the light of the word of god as well as in accordance with the confidence he has been given he must prophesy in agreement with the scripture and he must speak only what he has been given not more nor less this spiritual gift of prophesying is not infallible and you can read grudem and others the person who receives a revelation directly from god expresses it in human fallible words unlike holy apostles and prophets who constitute the foundation of the church their words alone are infallible scripture in this church when one preaches other elders examine what he preached to see whether he interpret the scripture correctly and they will let him know if he has not even so when somebody prophesied in the church of corinth because their words were not infallible others weighed 
the words to see what they prophesied was in accord with the gospel. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Holy Spirit of God says, Jesus be accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 and 30, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation direct revelation, comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. This tells you one can prophesy not good. 1 John 4 verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I have witnessed people speaking by demon inspiration. You could detect the demon speaking. So all inspired utterances cannot be by the Holy Spirit. To judge prophecies, people should know clearly the standard of judgment, the whole word of God. You see, the evil spirit deceives people who are ignorant of the scriptures. They are mentally lazy. To judge prophecies, people should know clearly the standard of judgment, the whole word of God. Most churches today are ignorant of the gospel. They preach a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit. So in these churches, error prevails and Satan rules. We read in Matthew 24 verse 11, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people, and no true elect person will be deceived. So those who are deceived are not Members of the true church. Error prevails also in most charismatic churches. That claim to have abundance of spiritual gifts. Churches that preach health and wealth and power and so on. They have no word and no Holy Spirit. They twist the word to make money. They prophesy to please people. One who prophesies must exercise his gift within the limits of faith and be restricted to its own sphere and purpose. This rule applies to the exercise of every spiritual gift. One who prophesies speaks by immediate influence of the Holy Spirit in one's own words for the benefit of the church. And I say men and women can prophesy. (gasps) Did he say women? Well, I say women because I believe in the principle of sola scriptura. 
Acts chapter 2, 16 through 18. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 4 and 5. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The second spiritual gift is called diaconia, from which you have the word deacon. It means service. This is especially speaking of the service the church renders to help the poor. Diaconia refers to the menial job of waiting on table. In other words, there is subservience, lack of status in the job. Yet Jesus himself waited on table serving his disciples. He was the suffering servant Isaiah spoke about. The word can also mean ministry in general as well as preaching of the gospel. Yet here, diaconia service refers to help given to the poor by the church. This is a non-miraculous spiritual gift. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 4 speaks about the equal distribution of food for all poor widows. Grecian and Hebraic Jewish widows. Apostles refused to do this work. Seven men full of wisdom and faith and Holy Ghost were chosen to do this necessary service so that the apostles could focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. Many gifted people find it difficult to do this lowly job. They crave to do more glamorous job of the church. Paul says, if your gift is serving, let him serve. That is, let him serve wholeheartedly. I remember a young man. He was a convert from a low caste. He became an itinerant preacher. He was used to do all sorts of lowly jobs before to make a living. He came to visit me. Suddenly there was a rain and he refused to help out while others were working hard to bring things from the rain inside the house. He is a preacher now. He should not lower himself to do lowly tasks, even though he saw me working. Paul himself did the work of a deacon by collecting money for the poor people in Jerusalem. 
And he also worked as a skilled laborer to support himself and others. Mary and Martha and other women did work to help support Jesus and his disciples. So we read in Acts 20 verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 And we urge you brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28, in the lists of spiritual gifts, there is a gift called antilepsies, means helps. Helps. That also speaks of humble service to the poor. And Peter divides spiritual gifts in two broad categories. Speaking gifts and service gifts. So if your gifts are diaconal, that is, service gifts. Peter counsels us, if anyone serves, he should do it in the strength that God continuously supplies. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So if you are called to be a deacon, to do hard work, work with the strength which God also provides. And in this church, we have a lot of people who are always working hard. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. This means, as Paul said, I am able to do all things through him who gives me strength. I said, this church is a model for such diaconal service. There are many in this church with the spiritual gift of humble service. God divides us gifts and he continually supplies us Holy Ghost power to perform these gifts of service. And ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we read in 1 Timothy 3 the necessary qualifications for diaconal service. The third thing is teaching. Ho didascon. He who teaches. The one who prophesies speaks in human words what God has revealed to him. But a teacher passes on truth revealed and preserved in the church. In those days, there were few books, and most people were poor and uneducated. So teachers taught us enabled by the Spirit what they strenuously studied. 
the Old Testament and the apostolic teaching of the gospel. Teacher is one of the five offices Christ gave to the building up of the church. A teacher, therefore, must study hard. A teacher cannot be intellectually lazy. He must study God's word, not just theological writings about the Bible. And not at all popular Christian books. Because the Bible says what is popular is abomination in the sight of God. How dare you, preacher, that you didn't preach the Bible Sunday morning. And 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 gives us qualification of a minister, an elder, a bishop. He must be what? Able to teach. In King James Version, 2 Timothy 2.15 reads, Study to show thyself approved. The New International, it says, do your best. You know, your best is not God's best. Do your best, you know. I know you are lazy, but try to do your best. (laughs) Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be embarrassed, ashamed. Then pastor listens to it. (laughs) And who correctly handles the word of truth. Interprets the word of truth. We are told the early church devoted herself to the apostolic teaching. And today there is no real preaching. It is all emotional Jesus commanded teaching them to obey whatsoever things I have commanded you. The Bible reveals Jesus. Teacher must know Jesus experimentally to teach others that they come to know him and trust him and follow him. Faith comes by the knowledge of the word. So we read Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message. When the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. So that everyone may see your progress. 2 Timothy 1.11 And of this gospel I was appointed a preacher, a herald, and an apostle, and a teacher. 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Titus 1.9 He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught So that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. And refute who opposes it. Acts 20 verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But have taught you publicly from house to house. Acts 20, 28 and 29. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of church of God 
which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. It is feeding the flock by the word of God that will keep them healthy and strong and able to oppose all errors. Acts 20 verse 32, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The office of a teacher appears in five lists. It's a very important office. The pastor is also a teacher. A teacher teaches appealing to the mind. The primacy of the mind. A teacher may not be a pastor. But a pastor is always a teacher. If the pastor is not teaching the Bible. Listen. He is not a pastor. His is not a church. But a synagogue of Satan. The preaching. And teaching. Of the word is the first. And most important mark. Of a true church. The pastor feeds the sheep by the ministry of the word. And that's what we do in this church. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to hunger and thirst for truth of the gospel, which alone is powerful to save us, to help us, to encourage us, to build us up in the most holy faith. Pour out your spirit upon us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.